We all have unique characteristics, some more unique than others, uh, perhaps. But it's those characteristics that make us identifiable. It's how people know you're you. It's how they describe you. It's how they think of you. Uh, our, our physical characteristics define certain parts of us. That's how people identify us. But even if we look similar to another person, they're able to tell us apart, not just by our physical characteristics, but by our attributes, who we are, how we act, what kind of person we are. Are, uh, are we funny? Are we serious? Are we extroverted? Are we introverted? Are we exuberant? Are we measured? Right? People know you for some very specific characteristics. And when they think about you, they think about those characteristics. That's how they see you. That's how they identify you. That's also how they know when you're having a bad day. Right? We say things like, you're not yourself today. And what we mean is, the yourself that we know typically says and does certain things, and today you're not doing those things. You're not yourself today. Versus saying, that sounds just like something you'd say. That is exactly something you would do. Why do we say those things? Because we have certain attributes in mind about people, certain characteristics in mind about people, and we identify them that way. And like I said, we identify when they're not acting that way. That's not like you. You normally don't say things like that. I've never seen you react that way. There is a distinction between the you that I've come to know and how you're acting today. When, when people describe you to other people, they may start with your physical characteristics, perhaps, but they move towards your behavior. You know the funny one. You know the shy one. She's the one who always. He's the one who always. Now that, that's how we identify people to each other. Now, we have sets of characteristics. We have sets of attributes. God has specific characteristics himself. He has specific attributes. Different from us, there is, a, there is never a moment when God is not himself. There is never a moment when God doesn't act exactly the way God intends to act. Right? He is always true to his character. He is always true to his attributes. You're never going to wake up one day and say, God, that doesn't sound like you. God, that's not something you normally say. If you ever think that, then maybe you don't know God well enough to know how that fits into his character because God is always true to his nature and to his character. Now, God shares some of those characteristics with you. If, if we're, we're thinking about the attributes of God or the characteristics of God, there is a set of characteristics that we share with God. By, by virtue of being created in the image of God, God decided that he would put in us characteristics that reflect his nature. Now, we reflect those characteristics imperfectly, whereas God reflects those characteristics absolutely perfectly. But because we're created in his image, God gave us some of his very own characteristics the the big word we use to talk about those that set of characteristics 
is uh, communicable attributes. Communicable like communicable disease, but in a good way. Right? Communicable disease can be shared. Right? You can transmit it. Right? In a positive way, God shares certain characteristics with us, certain attributes. They're communicable from God to us. Here's the interesting thing. Even if you're not a believer, right? even if you never believe in God, God, because he created you in his image, even to people who don't even believe in God, he's transmitted some of his characteristics. We would say that love is a communicable attribute that we share with God. Imperfectly, we don't love perfectly, he loves perfectly, but God, out of the goodness and grace and mercy of his character, decided that we would all know what love is like. We would be able to love other people. We would be able to experience love and know what it's like to be loved. He shares that characteristic with us. The other type of attribute, as you might guess, is incommunicable, can't be transmitted, right? It isn't Transferred. There are some attributes of who God is that he doesn't share with us. For example, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere, all at the same time. Some of us live as if we can be omnipresent. We schedule our week as if we can be omnipresent. And somebody has to step in every once in a while and say, you know, you can't be two places at one time. God did not share this attribute that he has with you. You can only be one place at one time. So omnipresence is an incommunicable attribute that God has that we don't have. But God has a set of characteristics. And the better we know the characteristics of God, the better we're able to do what we were just doing. When it comes to worshiping God, when it comes to loving God, you're going to worship him more and, and, and more appropriately. You're going to love him more deeply to the degree that you know him more. Hopefully in your marriage. The, the longer you're together, the more you learn to love each other in new and different and deeper ways. More complex, more sustainable sorts of ways. The same thing with God. Our, our affections, our love for God grows to the degree that we really understand God. Right? I loved Julie when I met her in 1990. Right? I was attracted to her the very first time I saw her. I think I've told you that story. Um, I, shortly after we met, as we were getting to know each other, I knew pretty quickly, this is somebody I love a lot. I loved Julie in 1992 when we got married, 100%. Absolutely loved her. 30 and a half years later, I love her in a deeper, richer, fuller way because it's a knowing love now. It's a knowing. I know more about her. She knows more about me. We know more about a life that we've experienced together. There is a difference in the love that I have for Julie in 2023 than the one I had in 1990 or 1992 or 2005 or 2010. This is the way love works. The more we know, the more we experience of each other, the deeper that love could grow. But if, but if I don't know them, 
it's hard to love in that sort of way. If I, don't, if I don't understand who you are, I can like you, I can appreciate you, I can love you at a certain surface level, but until I really know about you, that, that shapes my ability to truly love you. The same is true with God. The more we know Him, the more, the more we understand Him, the, the more opportunity our love has to grow and to guard against Loving a God that, that I created. Loving a version of God that came from my head, not from who he really is. I, I mentioned that I, I love my wife. I love Julie. If, if I told you, you've never met Julie. I, I, I love this woman named Julie. She's really tall. She has red hair, red hair and she's really shy. Those of you who know Julie would say, I don't know who you love, but it ain't Julie. <laughs> right? There's the possibility to do that with God. We can love a God that we create in our own mind. And when we create that God, ironically, that God always agrees with us, right? We create a God that that likes everything I like and dislikes everything I dislike and he does what I want him to do and he, he thinks about issues exactly the way I think about issues every single time. It's amazing. He's bothered by the same things I'm bothered by. The things that make me mad, they make God mad. What we've done is we've created a God in our mind to love that, that isn't God. It's, it's the one that I create. Thus, this series. God is. Who is God? Who would God tell us that he is? Well, he did do that. Right? All throughout the Bible, God says, this is, this is who I am. He does it in a variety of ways. We have stories and narratives in the Old Testament, sprinkled throughout the Old Testament, and they give us this reflection of who God is, his, his attributes and his characteristics. Over in the New Testament, the New Testament writers often give us some very specific language or, or we might say theology around God. God is like this, God is like this, and it's very helpful. But occasionally in the Old Testament, God allows himself to be named certain things or God names himself certain things. It, 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 throughout the Old Testament, we find the phrase, I am the God who, I am the God who, and then God gives us a word, or he, allow, he allows someone else to, to give us a word that tells us something about God's nature. And, and we're going to explore some of those. We're not going to get to all of those in this series. But we're going to walk through some of the times that God said, this is who I am. We're going to start in, in Exodus 3. It's not the first time this happens. Uh, the first time's in Genesis, and we're going to get to that one in a couple of weeks. But this seems like a really good place to start. Uh, Exodus chapter 3, it, it, it's the story of Moses. Some of you know that. We briefly covered this a few weeks ago. We're going to take a different look at it today. Just to catch you up, um, the Hebrew children, they go to Egypt. They grow and multiply, and, and they become a threat to the Egyptians. And so the Egyptians put them in slavery. They begin to work for the Egyptians. They continue to grow and grow. 
Uh, so much that Pharaoh is threatened by their very existence. He orders that all Hebrew male uh, infants be killed. Moses' mother puts him in a basket. You remember the story, floats him down the Nile River. He's adopted by one of the Pharaoh's daughters, an Egyptian, raised in an Egyptian palace. And um, one day, it becomes curious about his past and his connection to the Hebrews, goes out, sees an Egyptian abusing a Hebrew, steps in. In his defense of the Hebrew, ends up murdering the Egyptian, and then he has to flee Egypt, and he has to run away. He ends up being a shepherd for his father-in-law. After he runs away from Egypt, he marries uh, a Hebrew, and uh, his father-in-law is named uh, Jethro, and so he begins uh, shepherding sheep for Jethro. Here's the story, Exodus 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and they led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Scholars differ as to why Moses was in this particular geographical location with the sheep. There's really not a good explanation. The far side of the wilderness, it was a long way from home. There was really no good reason to be over there. Biblical scholars, because we like to make things complicated, they backfill the story with what well, could have been this, and it could have been that. and it could. The reality is we don't know how Moses ended up where he ended up, and I, I kind of wonder whether Moses knows why he ended up where he ended up. Like, you ever, you ever been there? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know where, why I'm here. I don't know how I got here. Maybe I made some bad decisions, but I, I didn't see myself here. I mean, that's the implication, isn't it, of being on the far side of the wilderness for absolutely no reason. God, I don't ha know how I got here. Here's what I learned about getting here. We usually learn the most about God on the far side of the wilderness, and if you're... If you're over about 35, you're not going to argue with that, are you? We usually learn the most about God when we wake up one day and go, God, I don't know how I got here. This is not where I thought I would be. I'm a long way from home. I'm a long way from where I saw myself being. Usually on the far side of the wilderness is where God shows up and presents himself to us. I've learned a lot about God from books and lectures and seminary classes and, and, and uh, sermons. I've learned a lot about God in textbooks. I've learned who God is on the far side of the wilderness. I, I've experienced God. He's, he's shown up and introduced himself in ways that he never introduced himself before when I was on the far side of the wilderness, now here's the strange thing about this series we're going to do. I didn't do this intentionally, but I noticed every time God shows up and gives his name, somebody's on the far side of the wilderness. Not literally in every story, but in every story, somebody's struggling. Somebody's questioning. Somebody's broken. Somebody's running. In those moments, if you're ever there, and you'll be there, in those moments where you 
when you wonder how did I get here what am I doing how did this happen be ready for God to show up and introduce himself because he will if you're looking if your heart is open to it God will show you something about himself most of us know how the story goes. He's tending sheep. He sees a bush that's burning. It's not being consumed. He comes toward the bush. The voice tells him to take his shoes off, and then God gives him these instructions. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I want to... I Drill down on two questions that Moses asked in this interaction. Here's the first question. Who am I? Who am I? Moses was not the first person to ask that question. He would not be the last person. All of us ask that question at times in our life, don't we? Who, who am I? We go through different seasons. We go through seasons sometimes where we're sure of who we are, aren't we? We're, like, we're confident. We made a good decision. Our life is on the right path and then the season switches and we think God who am I really like at my core like what am I supposed to be doing our insecurities prompt that question for some of us doesn't it our insecurities cause us to, to constantly ask who am I what am I supposed to be doing with my life our fears our failures Ever wake up on the other side of a failure and just have this overwhelming sense of that question, who am I? This didn't work. This thing I thought was going to work, it didn't work. I don't know who I am. God, who am I? That was Moses. Who am I? Forty years, tending sheep, far side of the wilderness. God, who, who am I? He was a Hebrew. He was born a Hebrew, but... Before he even had conscious memory of being a Hebrew, he was raised an Egyptian. And then, because of his actions, he could no longer be an Egyptian, but he didn't immediately fit back in with the Hebrews either. It was, it was this weird mix of Moses was a Hebrew and an Egyptian in one sense, and in the other sense, he wasn't a Hebrew nor an Egyptian. God, who am I? One, one author I, I read described Moses as the chronically uncertain. The chronically uncertain. And I know some of you don't relate to that at all. Some of you do, though, right? Some of you like me. Like you, you get it. The chronically uncertain. The chronically asking who and why and how. And I don't understand who am I, God. That's the first question. Who am I? We'll get to the answer in just a minute. Let's get to the second question. Second question comes in verse 13. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? First question is, Who am I? Second question, Who are you? Whether you know it or not, those are the two biggest questions of all of life. Who am I? Who's God? Who am I? God, who are you? Who am I? God, who are you? And we go through seasons where those questions are at the forefront of our mind and then they recede into the background, but then they come right back, don't they? God, who are you? God, what are you up to? What are you doing? Why are you not doing anything, God? Who are I, I don't understand, God, who are you? This is not where I thought 
I would be. This is not what I thought your plan was for me. This is, this is not where I thought I would end up. Who am I anymore? God, who are you in this situation that I am in? God gives interesting answers to both questions. Let's start with the second question. Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. So to be honest, I think God missed a golden opportunity right here. I'll tell him about it when I get to heaven. I think he missed a golden opportunity to set all preachers up for all of their lives, right? Like right here was, you could just made an outline, God. Some bullet points, made everything start with the first, same first letter. I think preachers, you, we would know this is what we're supposed to preach. Who is God? Well, right here. Here's the five things. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. Who are you, God? I am. I just am. I always have been. I always will be. In the convulsions and confusions of your current situation, Moses? I am. I'm steady. I'm the same. I haven't changed. I am. Thousands of years later, and the convulsions and the conflicts and the confusions of our situations, God says, I, I am. I'm still here. I'm the same, I'm steady, I've always been, eternity past, eternity future, nothing has changed me, nothing will change me, I'm not learning, I'm not figuring something out, this isn't new to me, you're not an experiment, I am, I'm here. Verse 15 he adds to that, God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. As if God is saying to Moses, Look, Mo, you just showed up here. Now, you just showed up here. Brother, I've been here. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob been here long after you're gone gonna be here i'm here i am i always have been i am not dependent on anything it's the it's the beauty of the symbol of the burning bush right in, in order for fire to burn it has to consume the energy of something else. it needs something in order to continue to burn. It has to consume a bush, and then it's got to look for something else to draw energy from to consume. God is speaking out of a fire that isn't consuming, doesn't need the bush, doesn't need anything. It just is. God said, that's me. I am. Don't need you. Love you. Don't need you. Not using you. Not trying to consume you. I'm here. I'm consistent. I'm dependable. I'm sufficient. I'm eternal. And this doesn't explain a lot, maybe. 
But there's no need ticking off attributes of God until we are settled in this fact. God is. He just is. He's above all, over all, bigger than all, sees all, mindful of all, sovereign in every way. He is, and nothing's ever going to change that. God, who are you? I am. Doesn't really answer the question, does it? I mean, it does and it doesn't. You and I have to walk sometimes in the reality that, that God is apart from me, my life. He's invested in, gave his son for me. He loves me, but, but God's dependable and I can count on him. Hebrews eleven six says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists. That's starting from ground zero, right? Believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. When the writer of Hebrews was talking about faith, he started where God started. Look, you just got to believe He is. You got to get settled in this reality that He is because one of the one of the truths that emerges out of him being I am is that if God is I am, then we're not. He is distinct from us, separate from us. He alone bears this title, not me. He alone rules and reigns. He, he makes the rules. He gets to make the decisions. You see, if there is a God and there is then I don't get to be God. And you don't get to be God. Some people address these two questions by combining them, right? Who am I and who is God? I'm God. They fix the whole thing just by combining the two questions. Well, I'm God. I make the decisions. I decide what's right for my life. I decide the moral boundaries of my life. Who am I? Well, I'm God. God said, no. No, I am not you God is God you and I are not if, if, if this I am is, is real and he is there are list of implications for that implications like he gets, he gets to rule my life I worship I obey him but, but wonderful implications also like if there is an I am, then, then I didn't come from nothing. I'm not a random cosmic accident. I came from the one who says he's I am. I, I didn't come from nothing. I'm going to end up in nothing. There, there is an I am who is directing all things. What about the other question? The who am I question. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, <clears throat> Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, which doesn't answer the question either, does it? Like God's not always good at answering our questions. Have you noticed that? Or maybe he's really good at it. I've found that God doesn't always ask the question I ask. He doesn't always answer the question I ask. He answers the question I needed to ask. 
Who am I? Who am I, God? Look, I'm, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. That's what you need to know. I, I'm going to be with you. In all of our wrestling and our uncertainty and our chronic uncertainty and our confusion and our failures and our struggles, I can't promise you that you're always going to be able to figure out who you are. I can't always figure out who I am. I can't promise you that there's going to be a really good answer to that question all the time. But I can promise you that God is going to be with you. Who am I is not a bad question, by the way. It's not a bad, it's not a wrong question. It's not a sinful question. There are biblical answers to the who am I question. It's just that sometimes God knows we don't need to know who we are until we're confident that God's with us. Moses, Moses' story, it's a wonderfully realistic story for us because he has this encounter with God, burning bush, not being consumed, voice comes out. God speaks, I'm with you. And then Moses goes and does what God tells him to do, and it's a disaster. I mean, if you know how the story goes, Pharaoh gets ticked off, makes things harder. It's worse. The Hebrews are mad at Moses. The Egyptians are mad at Moses. Everybody's mad at Moses. The whole thing gets worse. Chapter 6, Moses comes back to God and says, Hey, buddy, what's going on? Verse 2, chapter 6, God also said to Moses, I'm the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. Still here, man. Still here. I am with you. I am the same. I am still here. Story's not over. Moses keeps saying, Who am I? Who am I? God keeps saying, I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm right here. By the way, if you want the answer to that, Who am I question, I can tell you that we learn who we are the more we discover who God is. That question comes as we pursue who God is and what God is doing in this world that he told us in his word. And when our lives are, are hidden with Christ, when we are pursuing after God, then, then yeah, God begins to reveal more of that who am I question. It's not, it's not a bad question. It's just the pursuit of the answer is not a pursuit of me, which is how we tend to answer that question. We, we tend to try to find an answer to that qu question by pursuing me, when if I would pursue God, I would figure out the me part. God would help me know the me part who who am I? God is with me. That's who I am. Who is God? He is. He just is. I am that I am. If I could confess something to you as a pastor, there have been times and continue to be times where this is the one truth that sustains me. There are times in my life 
when I have questioned everything. What is happening? Why is it happening? What did I do? How come God didn't do anything? There have been times I've looked at God's people and thought, what a mess we are. Been on Christian Twitter lately. How do you put up with us? There have been times I have been disappointed and disillusioned by people that I thought were followers of God. Christian leaders and, and, and Christian speakers and Christian writers. And There have been times I thought, it'd just be easier to walk away from this. But my heart can't escape the reality God is. He is. And I may not know what he's doing all the time. And I may question what he's doing sometimes. And I may wonder if I'll ever understand. I may be disappointed. I may be frustrated. I may be angry. I may point at things and say, God, this isn't right. How is this going on? And once I have finished my temper tantrum, There returns just this knowing. He is. I am that I am. And I am with you. You do not understand and you may not ever understand. I am and I'm with you. And as important as it is, for us to know all of these other things about God. And it, and it is important. These other attributes we're going to cover. The beautiful and weighty and stirring. But in the, the quietness of my heart, there have been seasons of hurt and brokenness where it would have been so easy just to give up on all this. And my heart would not let go of a simple truth. He is. He is, and that means something to my life. If he is, that matters. And if he is, that should matter to you. Well, that was probably him just saying, <laughs> hey, I am. I am. That was beautiful. Can we just pray to the I am for a minute? God, I don't know why you don't answer all of our questions with specifics. Except that you know the answers our hearts need most more than we know them more than we know the questions to ask, you know the answers to give. And when we are confused and when we wonder who we are and who you are and why life is the way it is, in the wrestling, in the unknowing, build in us a deep, abiding, conviction 
that you are. You always have been, you always will be, and you're with us. You're with us right now. Whatever anyone in this room is walking through from the from the greatest of victories to the harshest defeats to the lowest brokenness you are and you are with us right now and we're going to sing now to, to the I am not to the band not, not to the preacher not, not to the people sitting around we're, we're going to sing to the I am I want you to worship him. And if you need to come to the front and pray to him, come to the front and pray to him. If you need to ask somebody to pray for you, ask them. To spend these moments together with the great I am. Would you stand and worship with us?